Hello, listeners, and welcome to Freelance Friday with Vay Casey, a podcast all about freelancing through the opinions and experiences of freelancers. And today on the show, I've got Parrish Ruiz de Velasco. And this episode is actually part two of our interview. And so if this is your first time here, uh, we're going to ask you to go back to last week's episode, episode number 40, and listen to the beginning of the interview to kind of catch you up to where we're at. And then you can come back and hop in here and flow right along with us. For anybody else that's already heard the first part, welcome back. I'm glad to hear and I'm glad that we could keep this thing going. And once again, I hope you're all staying safe and healthy right now during COVID-19 stuff because it's really odd and you know don't know what's going on anyway I'm going to stop rambling and let you listen to Parrish take it away this day is that okay he's like Parrish listen I don't care what you do okay you're doing a good job keep that up keep doing that you don't have to ask where to go when to go I don't care just keep producing <laughs> and so that really made an impact on me like that's the way a boss is supposed to be in my yeah, opinion yeah, yeah it was a polar opposite from GameStop where he's like you have to make it look like you're working you can't leave till 5 30 p.m and it was like all these rules that made no sense anyways it was super powerful it's like being punished for being efficient and doing yes, your job exactly. well I mean, like this it was that's nothing like, nothing will kill creativity right. and drive like that, man. <laughs> I was miserable by the end of that two years <laughs> at GameStop, man, I tell you what. And so um, he ended up getting a different job and moving on, um, my boss. And so I got thrown into this weird global marketing thing. And there was a lot of politics. And um, since I was his graphic designer... Um, and I was doing a much better job than their global marketing team, like their entire global marketing team. They were using my stuff, which was insane. I was like, oh, how did they get these files? Like, what are they doing? Like, because someone would ask for, oh, hey, can we use this file? And then it would end up on all the marketing pieces. I'm like, what the heck? So I got thrown onto that team and there was a lot of politics and they basically hated me. I think they were just threatened. They're like threatening their roles or their jobs or right. I, yep. don't, I don't know what it was. You. This is a really good point of don't take that stuff personally. Really think and analyze. Maybe they're going through something or maybe they're dealing with something. Um, and they were. I, I think they were just, I don't know. They were dealing with their own insecurities in their roles, which had nothing to do with me. And they were mean to me. So I was like, why are they being mean to me? You know, I was like really upset. Um, so I don't know. If anybody's dealing with that or dealing with a client that is, is just rude. I, I think it, it's always great to step outside yourself and try and analyze what they're going through. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're in a tough situation or I don't know. Maybe I kind of like to think change. about focusing on the evidence kind of yeah. to where it's like, it's a lot of times stuff like that can be feelings based versus evidence based Right. to where it's like, Oh, all these people are talking shit about me and being mean to me. Yeah. I feel like they don't like me. I feel inferior. I feel mm, whatever. Yeah. But then it's like, Oh yeah. But if you look at the evidence, they're using your work. Right. Right. He's telling you, I don't care. You do. I don't care. Do yeah. what you want. You're producing, <laughs> keep producing. Keep producing. And yeah. it's really easy. I find to, uh, I think for artists, I, I've noticed this a lot where it's really easy to fall, um, back on feelings and to live as if feelings are truth. And a lot of times they're really misleading. Right. Yeah. That's true. Anyway. Emotions can kind of trip you up versus the facts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So true. Um, so I was there for two years as well. Um, and towards the end I was working full time from home and, uh, 
they threatened to fire me if I didn't come into the office. But I was like, no, I signed up as working from home. And it's crazy. Like these corporate companies will totally just bluff. <laughs> they wouldn't fire me. It was, I thought they were going to fire me. I was ready to go anyway. So I was like, do whatever you want. Like I'm working from home. This is what I signed up for. I'm not changing it. And so I'm sure the like marketing guy over there was like, went to HR and was like, he's not coming in. Like, what do we do? Like, well, we can't. I'm sure the HR conversation, he signed on as a remote employee. I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Very like office space kind of like, he's just like coming in, doing, you know, cutting a fish up on his desk. Like HR eats it up or those guys. Just yes. eat it up. Well, he's got upper level written all over him. <laughs> so I, I just kept doing a good job there and working from home. And um, there was a lot of turnover in marketing and it just became so much politics. Again, it was like a soul suck. I just couldn't do it anymore. And I, I had done my time there. I did what I could to learn what I could. And so I made the jump to full-time freelance. And I asked like, hey, can I do some of this stuff for you guys, but on a freelance basis? And they were like, no, we can't. Like, no, we just send it to global marketing. A week after I quit, they called me. They're like, hey, Parrish, we love your work. We want to hire you for freelance work. It's like, what do you mean? You just, you do, like, I battled this decision so hard. Yeah, well, we also said we were going to fire you. Yeah. And we never did that, <laughs> did we? <laughs> yeah, so they, oh, they lied to me again. But they, it was something about like, well, we couldn't tell you that we would do that because it was like a issue with HR and telling you to go start your own business or something. It was conflict of interest or something. Yeah. Know, but. So conflict I, of whose interest, yeah, motherfucker? Yours, yours or mine? Golly. <laughs> no. So again, it's like I made the decision and the leap to do that, and it just it paid off because I think I worked out a forty five hundred dollar a month contract with them to basically have no boss to to be way better off um, and to have a set amount of projects with them, not like unlimited. Hey, Parish, do this. Hey, Parish, do this. It was it was so much better. And so I had that for about a year and I think that ended um, mid 2018 from the freelance stuff. They had another change. And so I've been just like full time freelance um, since then, like just random projects um, trying to figure out how did I get into architecture during that whole freelance stint? Um, I was going to circles conference. Have you heard of that? Yes. So I went to the, one of the first ones and I didn't have the money to go. So I just volunteered everyone. If you want to go to a conference, volunteer, like really go volunteer mm -hmm. any conference. I think they all have a page. Like, do you want to volunteer? They'll take free work anytime and give you a pass to go. And oh I, yeah. I don't doubt that. That stuff costs a lot of money to put on. Oh yeah. Yeah. So to, to pay all the people to like help, no, they'll no take way. free staff. Any yeah, day. Yeah. So if you want to get into like an $800 conference, volunteer form. Boom. Done. So I volunteered because I saw, I think the first year on Vimeo and um, Ben Jenkins was there. And it was so inspiring from One Fast Buffalo. You follow him? Mm -mm. <clears throat> He's Maybe I should. huge in Dallas in Brandon One Project. Fast Buffalo? Yeah, one fast. I'm gonna look him up right now while you're talking. He uh, he's doing this brand War Stick, doing baseball bats. Um, anyways, he's done a lot of really great branding stuff. But it was so inspiring. I was like, I need that in my life. So I went and volunteered at the conference, 
And I did that for like the next four years, like 2014 to 2018, and basically got to go for free. You do a little bit of work at this specific conference. Uh, I did a little bit of work, and then they were like, okay, you can go watch the rest of the speakers. Um, and then like the third year I was there, they were like, hey, do you want to just do lighting? And so I would basically get to see every single thing from the lighting booth up in the like up in the stands and see everybody just up and down when people would come on stage. It was the perfect volunteer <laughs> role. I didn't have to really do anything. Um, sometimes I would get so like lost and I'd forget to turn the lights up or something. So like people are standing there and they're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah I'm actually <laughs> supposed to do oh, right, 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 right. Okay. <laughs> come on, Morty. Um, <laughs> so um, that was really great for me. Um, just understanding other freelancers and their mentalities and just the inspiring nature of a conference like that. I highly recommend anyone who's just starting out, go to a conference, rub shoulders. You're not probably not going to get clients at these conference because everyone's looking for clients there, but go meet some people like mm-hmm. you might actually meet someone that you want to work with later, or you might meet someone who's a web developer that you're like, I, I dig this guy. I can do the design side. He do the code side. We can knock out this project that I wouldn't have normally got. Yeah. So on the flip side, maybe you find somebody that you end up wanting to hire for something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because sure. it's go either way. Relationships are yeah. so powerful mm-hmm. in, uh, oh my gosh, just keep building relationships, go to conferences, meet people, go to coffee shops, meet people. I just keep meeting people. I, I didn't know you, you know, you were right? like, hey, you no. want to come to this interview? I'm like, heck yeah. Dude, yeah, let's, let's go. go. Let's hang out. <laughs> let's do it. It's powerful because you never know how this one relationship can affect you later on in yep. life. Yeah. And so the person who was over volunteering at that conference, um, she became a good friend of mine and followed my work on Instagram. And she worked as a freelance graphic designer for an architecture firm. And they needed a new photographer because I guess they had kind of gone through a couple in the architecture industry. Aside from Wade and a couple other people, it's all like older gentlemen in their like 60s. And it's like very old school. And so um, they couldn't find a, a good fit for what they wanted. And so she recommended me and I went and interviewed. I'm like, I don't have a lot of architecture stuff. I do a lot of storm chasing and landscape stuff, but I think that could translate well to exteriors. And I hit it off with their marketing director. And so they tried me out on their own office. They had just finished renovating their own office. So they're like, they're, it's not a huge project. So we'll just try you out on this and see how it goes. So I was like, awesome. And I can't remember. I just threw out a number. I didn't know how much to charge. <laughs> I think I made like 2,500 bucks or something. but. It was it was a lot of money for sure for like three shoots in a video or something for me at that time, um, and so I did a quick Google search like architecture photography and I was quickly over my head like <laughs> oh my gosh like you need a, you need a three thousand dollar tilt shift lens and you gotta like know how to do all this stuff and just all these compositions and. Um, luminosity masking and just all this crazy stuff. And so I ended up paying for like a $300 tutorial on F-stoppers. Do you follow F-stoppers at all? Uh, a little bit. It's yeah. just a, like photography blog <laughs> website um, and they offer tutorials. Um, it was really good. <laughs> it was insane. It was like 30 
two-hour-long tutorial videos, super in-depth. The guy, Mike Kelly, he's amazing. He changed my life because I wouldn't have been able to do that job properly without that knowledge. Sounds like you, you sound very similar to me where it's like I'll take projects sometimes that without, I don't know what I'm doing yes. or it's like <laughs> I should be able to figure out how to do this in theory. Yes. Yes. I, yeah. yes. I'm pretty sure I can do this. Let's try it. I love the fake it till you make it mentality because mm. if I don't know how to do it, I'll learn how to do and it. And that, that stuff for me when I do that kind of puts me in a position of like, Fuck, I, have to, I have to learn this. Yes. And you so have then to. he's like, you don't have a choice. <laughs> and then I come at me, I'm like, wow, that was really nerve wracking, yeah, but that was I'm scary. better now. How did it go? <laughs> um, so I, me and my wife would watch the tutorials after the kids went to bed and she would like just be on her phone hanging out on the couch and I would be watching the tutorial with my computer and she actually learned a lot from it. So <laughs> she was like, yeah, I love the tutorials. They're great. And it's kind of cool to see what you're doing and stuff. So that was our nights for a straight month, like two hours a night. I mean, legit learning a whole lot. Um, and so I did the project and I bought, I didn't make any money on that project because I spent every dollar that I was going to make on it on the gear to shoot it. Like I bought the tilt shift lens and I bought, um, a motion slider to do time-lapse work, mm -hmm. a rhino slider, mm -hmm. which I still have is awesome. Um, but I don't know. I just felt like putting the money into it, it was a good investment. And looking back, it was a really good investment. Um, and so I ended up going on that shoot and they loved all my compositions. And I was like, what? This is going really well. And it turns out graphic design has a lot to do with architecture, spatial reasoning, um, layout, um, framing stuff. And so the graphic design translated really well to architecture photography and presenting them a really cool view of their, you know, three-dimensional layout. They were loving this ah, stuff. It's interesting you say that because it makes me think of Wade. Yeah, who he was, was a graphic, a graphic designer pre-architectural photography. State batteries logo, like right? that's so cool. Yeah, I know, Wade, you're the man. <laughs> yeah, Daddy Wade. Oh, that's true. Yeah, da old Daddy Wade. <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna Wade Daddy. So I Everybody's actually, like, what are these guys talking yeah, about? Who is this Wade character? So I reached out to him um, on Instagram or something because I also added a ton of Dallas architecture photographers on Instagram, and he was at Weld at that time. <laughs> Shout out Weld, Weld. R.I.P. R.I.P. But it lives on in so many. Oh, yeah, it's true. I, I was not at Weld, but so many people that I know were at Weld. So anyways, Weld was cool, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so he actually had lunch with me, and, uh, and he just kind of <laughs> he just kind of said, yeah, this is some stuff that you should do. And um, I was like, I would just love to see an invoice. And he just laughed at me. <laughs> He's just like, he's like, are you serious? I was like, oh yeah, I don't know. And he never showed me an invoice, but he did give me a whole <laughs> lot of tips aside from that. Uh, I just remember that moment that he just kind of like laughed in my face. <laughs> like, are you really <laughs> asking really? that? Like, really? What? Really? No. Um, but uh, he did help me out a whole lot and gave me a lot of tips. And I still have a really good relationship with Wade. He's such a cool dude. We both tell kid stories together. Like when we were at Flock Studio together, one of his kids is like a wild child and my middle kid is a wild child. So like, yeah, my kid like pooped all over the bathroom today. And I'm like, well, my kid escaped from the house and we had CPS called on us. We were oh. like, yes, we were like telling <laughs> oh that is a real story, by the way. I left on an architecture shoot at 
4.30 a.m. to catch Twilight. And my son was up in the beanbag, like, watching TV. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, do you always do this? And I'm like, go to bed. So I put him to bed. Um, and it's 6 a.m. Twilight's over. I'm kind of wrapping up. And my wife calls me. It's like, hey, there's cops at the door. And Parker escaped this morning. I was like, what? Well, like, is he okay? Like, yeah, he's back and everything. But he was out there for like a good hour. We had like the ring video cameras and stuff. So he broke out the dog door. We had AC work done that week. He So the gate was unlocked. So he went out the unlocked gate into the driveway. Our Australian Shepherd, Mac, followed him, stayed by his side the whole time, to his credit, like, coolest dog ever. Um, but he, like, looks around. He's three years old. He looks around, and he just runs for the street, and he, like, goes out of frame. Can't see him. So for, like, an hour, he's oh. roaming the streets. The next time we see him in, in camera was on the doorbell one, and the cops are, like, banging on the door, and Park, Parker is, like, by a tree with Mac next to him. No one can get near him because our dog is like, like protecting him from the cops or whatever. Our dog almost got tased. It was crazy. But the neighbors were like, no, he's a good dog. He's just doing what he's supposed to do. Like, don't tase him. So everything was fine. We had two meetings with CPS. Um, They said, you're good parents. This happens a lot. And just put those slider locks on the top of your doors or whatever and make sure to put a lock on the the dog door. We did. It was very scary. That's crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, side tangent story, my bad. Um, Love it. So Wade helped me out, and I think um, if anyone was to reach out to me, I would love to meet with them and give them any advice that I had. I wish that more of social media was around when I was first starting stuff and people were open to that. It would have helped me a lot. But, yeah, if anyone wants to reach out and any questions, like, and I think you should just do that. Just reach out to anyone. Yeah. Uh, the, the worst I mean, how many times has it worked out? For, I mean, we've seen here how many times it's worked out for you from just like, oh, I'm just going to do this thing. Yeah. I'm just going to reach out yeah. and where it's landed you. Right. Exactly. Just, I don't what, know. Push so, so you're, is that kind of like catch us up to where you're at now, basically? Yes. Is there so still more? Because she recommended, uh, recommended me for that job, um, I fell in love with the process of architecture photography and just the compositions and i love beautiful architecture like it's really cool to look at um as a graphic designer it's like three-dimensional graphic design is really really cool um so i've been pursuing that the past two years i'm about two two years into that um so i do a lot of architecture photography now um i still get branding jobs Top golf uh still freelances with me since i worked for them so many times and for a few years they're like, oh, Paris knows the brand. He's like, they don't have to deal with finding in, like they work with a big agency, but for the smaller stuff, they can always outsource it to me. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a good resource to them. And it's a great thing to have a client like that who'll just keep sending you stuff all the time. So graphic design projects with Top Golf, um, random branding jobs, uh, commercial photo shoots. I did a commercial photo shoot for Pinstripes. It's like a bowling food it's kind of like top golf but bowling um so i did a photo shoot for them like lifestyle stuff um i worked did some photo shoots for the marketing arm they hired me for yellowtail stuff and at&t stuff so just kind of all over the map um i did a lot of cinemagraphs for them that's why they hired me for yellowtail like the pouring the wine yeah deal that's (laughs) cool so um yeah that's where i'm at now currently i have 
three or four projects going on, graphic design, and probably two or three shoots that I need to edit right now. So, so what, uh, I mean, now that you're doing freelance stuff full-time, and I mean, are you open to like more full-time kind of stuff? Or do you, are you wanting to stay with the freelance? No, I, I think the whole, <clears throat> the goal over uh, all that was to, and I sat down early on. I was like, what is my goals? I want to spend time with my family. I'm a big family guy, so I enjoy spending time with them. Um, and then I also wanted the freedom to kind of do whatever's my passion at that time. And if I'm sitting at a computer desk for eight, nine hours a day, you're drained, but you know, you got to go home and then you take care of the kids for a while. And then I'm trained to go do anything I really want to do. So to have the flexibility to have my own time and do it however I want is huge. And I don't think I could ever go back, but top golf was saying something like they got to hire some, they got some money for a junior designer. Like, well, why don't you just take that junior designer salary and give it to me on like 15 hours or 20 hours or something. And that way I'll still work remote you'll get everything that you need. Cause I can knock out junior, like the junior designer would take 40 hours and I'll do that in 10. So, but it kind of balances out. Right, yeah. So they're actually considering that right now. So I might, it'd be nice to have insurance again. We don't have insurance. So I haven't had it for years. Yeah. I can't imagine with kids though, but I mean, it's, I feel it's, is it as bad as people make it out to be? No, it, it doesn't. So I did the math when I, with top golf and with Solera, the tech company, I had insurance. The deductibles were so high that we never really paid enough of doctor visits to meet the deductible. And then on top of that, we were paying the, uh, yeah, like um, the insurance premiums or whatever. Yeah, all yeah. that stuff. So it never paid off for us. Um, even having babies, which is like eight grand, um, it barely like maybe saved us a thousand dollars or something into it, but we're done having babies. And I don't know if we break an arm, I feel like we can just get on a payment plan or something mm-hmm. i have life insurance which is like 50 bucks a month but what i, uh, I feel the need for it i mean so then whenever you go take kids to the hospital or like cash to pay. doctor or anything cash pay yeah, yeah. what it, and they have different prices for cash pay than insurance it's actually cheaper yeah that's been my experience too yeah. i wasn't sure with kids but i figured it was kind of the same yeah i i it's like the the lady with insurance just paid like 150 for the two-year-old checkup. We paid like 85 bucks for the checkup. Like, yeah, what? and you're not paying the premium because it's so much right. less work for them. Yes. And boom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So how do you, I mean, with, with the, the work that you're doing now, is it all coming to you or are you going out and getting <clears> it? Is it a mix? Like what's... For being in marketing, I do not do a lot of marketing. I feel like I've tried to do cold calls. I've tried to reach out to companies and offer stuff. And it just hasn't worked out for me. So building relationships is what I focus on. Yeah. Um, and somehow the the human factor in that prevails. I don't I don't even know how to explain that. Just the relationships. Someone's like, oh yeah, I know this is what Parrish is doing. So and somehow I'm just getting enough jobs, like enough people know about it. And it has been, I started in 2009. It's 10 years now that I've been working and building a portfolio and working in the industry. And so now I just get enough random jobs to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. And one really cool thing uh, is two months ago, we, yeah, we sold our house. We lived in it for seven years, that foreclosure that I told you about. We redid the kitchen. We did all the stuff to it. We got it for a hundred grand and we just sold it for two fifty. 
and we only owed like 80 on it. So we got a bunch of cash, which is the most money I'd ever seen in my bank account. It was crazy. I like took a screenshot of it because I instantly <laughs> basically paid for the RV cash yeah. and it was most of it was gone. Was like, oh, God. So, so the, but the RV's paid for. RV's paid for. Paid off. $100,000 RV paid for. Damn, that's sick, cash. man. That is sick. Right? I've been looking at those for years and I'm like, dude, these look so badass, but I don't want to spend a hundred grand yeah. on anything. I don't want to go into that. That's the main, well, we we looked at other people doing it and why people chose schoolies or why people chose to like buy an older one and build it out. It's because they didn't have, you can't finance it when you're living in it full time. It's, mm. it's a bank issue. So I if you're going to be a full timer, you have to pay cash for it. And so that's why most people will go build their own custom thing and save a lot of money but we just with three young kids in my business and stuff i just didn't want to take that Mm -hmm. on so we bought Mm -hmm. a big 41 foot diesel pusher um a 35 foot slide out on one side another slide out in the kitchen on the other side bunk beds um it is glamping at its finest 49 inch tv in the living kitchen area do you have a car you pull behind it so we had a Toyota Sequoia four wheel drive. Love the vehicle, two hundred fifty thousand miles on it. Love it. I want to go to a million in it if I can, but it does not flat tow. So we had to buy a Jeep, which okay. I had a nineteen eighty seven YJ growing up, and I had to sell it when we found out that we we're having a kiddo because it was just not safe at all. <laughs> and like not putting a car seat in there, so I sold it, um, and it. It was kind of a really cool roundabout thing. Like I sold it at the start of my career, really. Um, And now I was being forced to buy like a newer four door one. I always wanted to get in another Jeep, but not just didn't have a good reason to get in one. They're tight for three car seats. And, but it's the only thing that was flat toe. (laughs) I was like, yes. And we have all this cash from the house. Oh, no, honey. Looks like we got to get a Jeep. Jeep. I didn't want to, but damn. Just another. Where do y'all park? Um, So we're still. Yeah, we're figuring it out right now. We're in Grand Prairie. There's a place called Lloyd Park. Okay. So we were at Cedar Hill State Park, Joe Pool. Uh Um, But there was ants and it's just not taken care of as well. And it's like 35 bucks a night. Lloyd Park is super nice. Um, the spots are super nice and it's $18 a night. And can you just pull in day of and say, Hey, we want to be here for a couple of days and roll out or how does that work? You That's can, kind of something like that. Maybe not in peak season right now. We're having, we're at that park and we've moved three times cause weekends are usually booked at that park. It's a really nice park. So we just moved yesterday on Thanksgiving cause we booked it for a week, but Thanksgiving was completely booked. So we were just going to go park at a, in front of a friend's house for free um, without any hookups and we have a generator so we could do that. Um, uh, but stuff opened up cause of the weather. So we just booked a spot right next to ours for another week. And that's where we're at until Thursday. I don't even know where we're going after that. That's cool, man. <laughs> as far as kind of the more, I guess like business side of stuff now, like I don't want to shift into that Okay. as far as just kind of the back office logistics admin kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess let's start off with, uh, with like invoicing and accounting and contracts and how do you manage all of that stuff? Yeah. So I don't know how I came across it. You know what, you know, Envato, I think it's like video. Hive. Oh yeah. And, yep. Okay. Audio, jungle, Audio jungle, video hive. And so I pay for Envato elements that, okay guys, there's another huge point that I want to make here. It is okay to use and pay for other creative assets. 
I don't know why I felt earlier on, like I wanted to create this. Like I wanted to have this stuff or I don't know. It just felt, felt weird purchasing some of these assets to go into a project. Right. And a big shift in my work changed when I realized that I could leverage that stuff um, and still credit original authors and stuff and paying for it and licensing and all that stuff. But it helped me be super efficient. And then it upped production value because there's some like illustration stuff that I am not super skilled at that I will go purchase assets on that. It just makes me look like so much better Mm -hmm. than I am. So pay for stuff, pay for fonts, pay for assets pay for those uh what is it after effects um templates like just do that i mean that adds so much to a the amount of time that you're going to spend making that stuff compared to buying one if you can granted it may take a little bit of time to find something but i mean the things that you're going to find take so much longer to make than you would are so good i mean it's why that that exact thing is why i started licensing music years ago instead of making it myself because i mean i do music stuff too and and it was like music bed. Yes. That's just where I said, yeah, exactly. Music, music bed. bed and, and, uh, audio jungle music bed, <laughs> music watermark, bed. Yeah. Uh, audio <laughs> mark. Uh, but no, I, I, I just remember, I mean, I would spend like a day or a day and a half or two days on a music track for a video that like maybe the client doesn't like, and we yeah. decide to want to completely Seriously. change it. Yeah. And the production value on it just wasn't near the quality of what it was for someone else I could buy. And I'm yeah. like, dude, I'm spending a day or two days on this. You gotta look at the return on investment on time. Oh yeah, on exactly. Sure. And I'm like, dude, that's, I'm basically spending a couple thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. It would be worth it to spend $200 or $400 yeah. on a track that is 20 times better produced right. and sounds better and fits the thing. Yeah. So purchasing assets, I think is it, that was just another step in my freelance co- career Yeah, because there was something against like paying for it. Like I'm getting paid to do this. Why am I going to pay for something else? And I don't know. It was a mental barrier. And when I opened that up and started purchasing good music tracks, instead of trying to find royalty free crap, that was like royalty free, free, you know, um, <clears throat> And graphics and all that stuff. It just changed the game for me. That was huge. Um, And so that brings it back to Envato Elements. It is a subscription. um, And they just have a bunch of, you know, vectors, stock photography, fonts. I was one of the first ones to jump on it because I was always paying like over $100, $200 a month and purchasing assets. So when the membership came out, I was like, yeah, and it was 20 bucks. So I jumped on it and then they offered this thing called and co. And it's basically just a really good invoicing service. And so I've been using that for man, three or four years. I really like it because it's designed well. Um, it's basic, intuitive. They have the, create your own contract stuff in there. Um, I was getting to the point where, and I was doing like a bunch of like two to $500 jobs. And I got so many of those that I couldn't keep track of who was paying or not. And like, I had it written down on paper. Like, okay, I got this check. I sent this invoice. I got this check. I haven't got this check. I need to follow up. And to have it on the software was amazing because I could like manage it all there uh, check it off the list if it was done. See how much I've made. See how much I've made from that client. The data is really powerful. Too, yeah. Yep. So it's good to see all that stuff. But 
it's a really great service. Um, it helps me with taxes at the end of the year. It'll export all that into a CSV a spreadsheet file. Mm-hmm. Comma and separated values. Comma separated values. Comma separated yes. values. Uh, technically speaking. CSV. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm not a uh, Excel person at all. Like, I can't even open the software without. Like, okay, what do I do next? Uh, you don't Excel at it, huh? Uh, <laughs> the dad joke for you. Oh yeah, I got lots of those three kiddos. Uh, um, so that's what I use for invoicing, um, and keeping track of, uh finances and stuff i actually am able to link up my business bank account to it so it automatically creates expenses so at the end of the year i don't have to like do all the receipts and stuff it has all my expenses in there it has every check that's come in since i manage that and say if it's come in or not um and so whenever i'm doing expenses i'll like look at that every two to three weeks and say this is for um <laughs> mainly it's clothes because I like clothes <laughs> it's like oh this is uniforms <laughs> um, or meals goes under the marketing category because I'm I was like meeting with a client yeah. and trying to all meals are marketing by the way yes every meal that I eat marketing marketing I'll yeah. check Instagram marketing meal <laughs> right off that's that's what I do that's what I was call them tricks of the trade <clears throat> tricks of the trade um yeah so it generates a really nice looking invoice too it's designed well and i used to have a photoshop file where i would just change out the invoice number and all that stuff um because i didn't like the very word looking invoices yeah this one actually designed really well so i use that to send the invoice it actually will tell you if um, they've read it or not, which I love. It's then like, you're like, hey, actually, I saw you yeah, open it. Oh, sorry. Opened. Sorry, I didn't, I, sorry, I missed that oh, one. I didn't yeah, get my, it. My bad. Actually, it says you open it five yep. minutes after I sent it. I can't tell you how many times I've done that. Like, oh, it looks like it's open uh, January 3rd, 9 p.m. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, you're right. You're right. Here it is. It is open. My bad. <laughs> yeah, I'll get actually, that right over. It actually says you just opened it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I you're see that. You're looking at it right now. <laughs> I don't see it. No, you are. You're looking. I see your mouse hovering over the button. <laughs> click pay. Click it. Click pay now. It does have that integrated into the PF, PDF, the pay now button, which I also love. I mean, I hate that like 2% fee. Mm-hmm. Not the credit card company or whoever takes. But. I'm I'm just very selective with that. Like there's certain clients that I'll click that on where I'm like, yes, you can smaller pay with card. Jobs, yeah. Typically smaller <clears> ones <throat> too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same that percentage, but I'm like, uh, I don't want to pay $400 in credit card fee. No. no. No, what sir. about, uh, do you have a CPA or accountant or something you use to prepare taxes or how do you do that at the end year, of the year? But I don't know. He was really busy and maybe I just didn't find a good one, but it didn't feel worth it because I laid everything out for him and I'd done TurboTax professional for the past seven years. Um, so I know how the entire system works. Like you're putting in all your expenses, you're putting in all your paychecks all the 1099s um your TurboTax does a really good job about going through and asking you all of these questions i do every manual thing on there that you can do um and that's essentially all the h&r block people are doing because they're seasonal they'll just like go through are you and they'll ask you the question versus you do it yourself so since i had everything together in that spreadsheet and i had everything listed out 
it's like he didn't really have to do any work and it cost me $800. So I don't know if I'll be doing that again this year. Like I enjoyed seeing every single thing that I put in at the top of the TurboTax professional screen. It gives you like a number. <laughs> like when I first put in all the stuff that I made, I owed like 30 grand or something. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so as you put in your expenses from the spreadsheet, it like knocks it down. You can see how much you're going to owe or how much you're going to get back. Um, so I don't know. I, anyone just starting out, I don't think you need a CPA. Dude, hop on TurboTax. Um, and if you are just starting out, you're not going to have 500 1099s. Like just put the 15, 20 clients that you have in there. Um, make sure you keep track of your expenses, whether it's on paper receipts or in a software program and crank it out. It's, it's scary to a lot of people, but I did it for seven years and I, I loved it. Yeah. I think I'm going to go back. Okay. It's good to know. I might have to look into it. I think this year I might, uh, I'm, I'm looking for a new option Yeah, or some of that Were stuff. Were you with, with a CPA? Uh, yeah, I've, I've had a lady that's done it and it's just kind of where, I don't know. It's worked out for me. Okay. But I also just feel like I, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. It's hard to explain it. I think exactly. you have to have a good relationship with a CPA as well. It's yeah. a very personal thing. They're going through your finances. Yeah. Not, that like, might be it. It's kind of a, like a, like a, and... well, it's not that it's just more of like a fly in fly out. Yeah. Like I talk, a quick, talk to her when it's time. Quickie. Hey, here's my stuff. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Unsatisfied. That's it. I don't know. Uh, what about contracts? So you, I, I honestly need to get way better at that. Um, I feel like I'm at the level where I'm working with clients that are corporate. And if they've hired me for a $20,000 photo shoot that they would pay for it. Cause they wouldn't want to deal with, I, I don't know. They've obviously got the budget to pay for it. So I don't know. I, I need to get better at that. Cause I did have a almost $20,000 job with that pinstripes company. It was like two photo shoots and I had to travel and I paid for all the stuff up front travel and rentals and stuff. And I sent them the invoice. Like I, I deliver the invoice once deliverables are delivered. Um, but I don't put in a net 30. I put in like, okay, I delivered this stuff. Now you pay me. It's kind of like you go to the yeah, store yep, yep. and you pay then. Right. Like why would you, some people don't like that. I just, most people that I've told though are okay with it. Well, this company had like a rogue CEO where he approves every single invoice and he wouldn't approve the invoice. It was already approved for the marketing director the CEO approved the bid, but he was not signing the invoice. So I was talking to HR um, and payroll, and they were like, yeah, we're trying to get him to pay it. I'm so sorry. He's just not like he'll, he signs everything on his own time. So I had to wait like four months to get Ooh. paid on that $20,000 job, having all that stuff on my credit card. From, I've just fronted a lot of stuff for a job that big. <clears throat> and if I had had a contract to pay once deliverables are done, I could add a lot more leverage to say like, all right, well, I'm going to hire a lawyer based on this contract and send out a demand letter. I did talk to a lawyer. It was going to be like 500 bucks for a, a real demand letter. So I did feel like I was going to get paid. It was just, he, he liked to negotiate when, so I, I did end up getting paid, but you said you did. I did. You did. Yeah. Okay, good. Have oh. you ever had times, have you ever had any projects where you have not or hadn't worked so. out? No. Because I, I guess also it sounds like most of the ones you've done have been like you've had like longer standing relationships yeah, with the people. True. Uh, or they're just smaller jobs, I, I feel like. And I usually, I'm pretty good about 
relationship with the client. So I'll mm-hmm. kind of build that first and then figure out what they want. And then they feel like, oh, he's buddy. Like we need to like knock this out. So I just, I really have never had an issue, but I do, as these jobs get bigger and especially after that 20 K job, which was one of the biggest jobs I've done, I need to have a contract and say, Hey, this is just to protect me. It's not like against you, but maybe your CEO yeah. that has an issue with it. So if you're cool signing it, this is the agreement. I'm sure it would be, everyone would sign it. I just, they contracts kind of scare me and I feel like they get, they wedge relationships a little bit. Cause like, Oh, why are you, if we can, like, yeah. So something that it's been helpful for me, I guess a little bit with some of that. And mm-hmm. I, I don't always do them kind of like you it kind of depends a little bit on the project and on the client. Um, and I, and I mean like, like this year I haven't done maybe one or two contracts, Oh, okay. but I've had, so not all your works are contracts. All of it's quote contract work, oh, okay. but we might not actually have like a contract sure. drafted up for sure, it, sure. but it's like, I've had like basically three clients this year, three mm-hmm. or four clients. Mm-hmm. And it's like doing work over and over and over and over. And it's like one of them, we're doing the same thing that we've done. And we're just yeah. like, cool, we want to do another shoot. Cool. We want to produce some more. Right. Cool. We want to produce some more. And it's yeah. like, all right, cool. It's worked out every time we have a good relationship. Right. Like, yeah, it's a friend of mine that I used to go to the gym with and sure. I knew beforehand, cool. like pre-existing relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. Another one, uh, was a friend of mine from weld who runs a production company and does some stuff. And it's like smaller stuff, like work, you know, smaller crew with him. And then the other one's like my buddy at an ad agency. Mm-hmm. And, and all of them are like longer standing relationships, but all that to say, um, I do like to do them. Um, and on some level, yeah, I think they can kind of be a wedge depending on how they're approached. Sure. But the way I kind of try to look at it is it's basically a way to put on paper, Hey, here's what I'm agreeing to. Mm -hmm. Here's what you're agreeing to. Right. And this is a thing to come back to that. If there's a problem at all, it's like, Hey, look, we both agree to this thing mm-hmm. and it's not like a malicious, like, ah, I gotcha. Right, but it's just right. like, Hey, let's just put it out in the clear and make yeah. sure that we're both like on we're the same on page. The same page right. That way there's not any like, Oh, well, I didn't realize that. Or, Oh, I didn't think about that yeah. or kind of like, you know, whatever. I need to do more. Um, I, I need to get those down. What about that software does produce those. It does do that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. Uh, does it give you like templates, like kind of like base off of, I know there's uh shake law is one that I've used mm. in the past uh, that I've, it's kind it of kinda where asks you questions. Like, is this a writing job? Is this a visual job? And you kind of answer these prerequisites and then it'll generate the contract. Um, and it has all this verb, like tons of verbiage that you were like, oh, I would have never thought to put that. In right. Yeah. 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 So I've sent a couple of them out, but, um, yeah, I need to use it more. Sure. What about uh, pricing? How do you mm. figure out what a project mm. is going to cost? That's always tough. Um, I think every single time I deal with someone, I will always try and figure out like, hey, what's your budget? Like, what do you want to be at? Because um, I feel like people already have like a... Um, number in mind or a budget if they're a marketing director that they have to stay within um and then that will help me say like okay like for that much money i feel like this is what we can knock out or do um versus them just asking for a bunch of stuff and then me spitting out a number um for architecture photography i feel like i got a number from someone like I know Wade's number, so I put mine below his because I'm not nearly as like experienced and in it as long as he's been. 
Um, and then that also helps me get jobs, uh, while I'm still starting out two years is nothing in that industry. Like everyone's been in the industry for like 30 years. Um, <clears throat> that's a pretty set shoot price, like $2,500 day rate, $1,250 happy. Done. Um, for branding, I think it definitely depends on the client. Um, and also how much they're wanting, how difficult I think they're going to be. And then, uh, what the usage is. I think usage is very important. Like you could design the same thing, but if it's going to use, be used on a much bigger scale, you're going to be able to charge a lot more for it. Yeah. Can you break that down and kind of explain that, explain that a little bit and how, like what your process is to handle that and figure out what a price needs to be based on whatever the given usage is. Um, so I would say for a branding project, I would ask where it's going to go. Like, is this just going to be like, uh, on the website or is it going to be like on all the signage in the building? Is it going to go on, uh, a ton of marketing collateral? Like where's just, what is the end usage? I think that's a great question. Like what's the end use? Where do you see this logo going? And they'll usually describe like, oh, this is going to go on all of our apparel. This is going to go on all this stuff. And so when I start hearing that stuff, I instantly start taking it to another kind of price bracket, I guess. In my head, I, I, I wish I had a better pricing system, but uh, <clears throat> I don't. I don't know. I, so I, I think the usage will knock it up for me if it's something very commercial and going to be all over the place, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's really all I got. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, uh, is there any like, so like for me, whenever I price stuff out, kind of one of the ways that I will go about it is mm-hmm. like you mentioned day rates mm-hmm. is I, is I'll have like my day rates kind of set for stuff and I will kind of take account of about how long I think it's going to take for a project. Mm-hmm. And then I know that it's likely to go over that and there's going to be some other stuff. And so I'll add extra in for that and then some rounds for revisions. And then it's kind of like, okay, here is the overall total project price. Sure. Here's the deliverables. Here's the way that we're going to work for revisions and then all that kind of stuff. Cool. Uh, And to me, that helps me get to like a certain number. Like this is what the number is. Do you have any... Mm -hmm like that or is it just purely like oh i feel like this should be kind of i've had trouble with that because i don't know if this sounds weird saying i'm just really efficient at what i do i spend a lot of time thinking about the concept more than i do uh actually working on the project Mm -hmm. like i will if i have an idea for logo i'll knock it out in two minutes so how do i charge hourly for that i i just can't so i don't have a good hourly like oh I mean, maybe for like basic marketing, graphic design stuff, I try and stick to a hundred an hour, you know, like, okay, this seems like this flyer would take 10 hours. Like let's do a thousand bucks type of deal. But yeah, for a brand, it's just so hard for me because I feel like it's more concept than actual execution. Mm -hmm. Like it's how can you make this uh, appealing? How can you make it? um, I always try and have multiple like layers of a logo where it's like you see something and then you see something else later on. And it's like, Oh man, this is, this is really good. And you like it more as time goes on. And so it's way more concept for me as I'm driving down the road. I'm thinking about it as I'm 
like taking a shower, I'm thinking about it, and then execution. You're, I mean, so you're working. You're actually really like working on it, like all the time. Yeah, I'm, I not can't a, help like, it. Yeah, like that's yeah. just my curse. I see the fonts mm-hmm. everywhere. I'm like, why did they do that? <laughs> why? <laughs> Makes me think of uh, kind of years back when I first started freelancing, and, and I remember there would be times where I would be just kind of thinking on projects and kind of brainstorming and I'd be standing on a stoop at a coffee shop with a coffee mm-hmm. and a cigarette and I'm like I am working right now oh yeah this Isn't is crazy this Very is crazy <laughs> I love it yes I'm driving uh, a big old RV down the road and I'm working right now man <laughs> let's go 2020 it's what a time to be alive it. it's they're so loud like it scares everybody who hears I'm gonna have to see this thing man it's I'm gonna. Awesome. That's the plan. I'm gonna, air, I'm gonna put air horns on mine. I thought to. about doing an air horn on my motorcycle too. <laughs> I see people do that on trucks, but not like a motorcycle. <laughs> uh, Dude, what a uh, man! Is there anything else that you feel like we got to talk about that I haven't asked you about? You know what? So, quotes are really important to my life. I feel like there's there's ideas right that are really important, and. Quotes just convey, like, if you have a really eloquent eloquent quote, it conveys this idea through words. And so I have a bunch of quotes that I would just love to bang out. Quotes. Are these, quotes. are these, like, things that you've heard or come across over the years that you've, that are, like, spoken to you? Yes, very, have affected me profoundly. Okay. And I think have either resonated with something that I already was like living by or something that just like, whoa, that is awesome. I need to write that down. Um, <clears throat> okay. So one of the first ones that I think I wrote down on this list um, was uh, a definition. Luck. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. I think that is so powerful. A lot of people told me I was lucky for capturing that tornado photo. I don't think it was luck at all. Like, there was a there was a little bit of luck on me kind of seeing the photo, but what if I didn't have the camera? What if I didn't prepare and have the camera in the car? That would have never happened. What if I would have never chased it down and gotten the right spot and prepared for that shot? Like, there's a lot of work and preparation that goes into being able to grasp a hold of that opportunity when it comes by. So, I think it's such a cool definition of luck. And just the other day, because that. What has been with me for maybe 10 years. And I think about it all the time. It's like, how can I prepare? Because opportunities are going to come by all the time. Are you ready for it? Are you prepared enough for it? Like, there was things in that scenario that I was not prepared for. My Twitter wasn't good. Like, I didn't have, I didn't post on it. I didn't have it ready. If I would have been tweeting on that and had made sure they, like, tweeted at my name and stuff, like, who knows what that could have done with 30,000 retweets. I could have got a ton of follows and had like an extra 10, 20,000 followers on Twitter, which could have led to more business or something. There's all sorts of things. And so recently, another thing that I was thinking is the the definition of bad luck. <laughs> bad luck is when preparation meets opportunity. It's the same thing. Like you can prepare the wrong way as well. Like you can sit down and play video games all night Um, And that way, when someone's like, oh, hey, I've got this project, this opportunity that rolls in front of you, if you're not prepared for it, you can't grasp a hold of it accordingly. Like, you have to prepare. You have to get ready for that opportunity. 
because we all get opportunities and are you going to be ready or not? Yeah. So that's a really important quote for me. Um, become extraordinary by doing ordinary things at high levels of excellence. I love that. It's just like, we're all just normal people, right? We're, I feel like anybody could do what I'm doing. Really anybody could, if they put their mind to it. And now probably they could probably do it in a faster time span than I did it because of all the tutorials and great resources that are out there. Like anybody could. Yeah. I feel like anybody I, could do it. it makes me I, feel I agree with you. Almost. That's kind of, that's, that's where my mind goes a lot. Cause a lot of times, uh, like outside of video production, photography, music is another big part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I'll have people make comments about, Oh, you're such a great musician or, you know, you just so, uh, you're so gifted. You're so talented. Right. And I'm like, thanks. I'm like, there's part of me that's mm-hmm. like, yeah, cool. But there's also like, <clears throat> I've been playing since I was three years old. Yeah. I took piano lessons when I was five and I practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. And you haven't seen the hours when I was in high school. And for three right. years, right. four nights a week, I would sit in my room and play guitar for two or three hours and how, yeah, I might be able to, I might be able to sing well, but I sing all the time yeah. for hours a day right. everywhere that I am. And so Am I lucky? I mean, am, am I, am I talented? Am I, am I gifted? Maybe, <laughs> but really I just put a shitload of hours into yeah. it. And any, yeah. like your, to your point, like, I don't feel like it's anything special. Anybody right. could do it. Anybody. You just got to put the time in. And that's also a struggle on the other end. What, uh, they called it at, someone called it at circles conference, imposter syndrome, where even like people at the top of their game will feel like their stuff is not good enough just yep. because they've, they feel like anybody could do that. So yeah, I think we also need to take time to realize like the stuff that we're doing and how awesome it is and almost kind of just like a little pat on the back sometimes. Cause maybe imposter syndrome will affect somebody where I'm not good enough to like send it a bid for that job. It's like, dude, you are like, <laughs> I mean, all you got to do is push the send button, yeah, put it in the mail, whatever right. the send do is. It. As Shia LaBeouf said, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> Such a good gift. Um, let's see. I have so many quotes. Uh, this is great. And, and kind of corresponds with what we we're just talking about. Everyone is creative. Everyone is talented. Mm-hmm. Few are disciplined. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like everyone's creative. Mm-hmm. I, I really hate when people are like, oh, I'm not like creative like you. Dude, like, me too. I'm not creative at all. Like, I feel like I'm not creative at all. I just am disciplined enough to kind of learn some things and see what other people are doing and emulate that and spin it in my own way. And I don't like, I don't feel creative or talented at all, but I do feel like I'm disciplined enough to teach me some things that have created that talent um, and creativity, but anybody else could do it as well. Like it's not some special trait. I, uh, I I like you talk about how, you feel like everybody is creative and that's kind of how I feel too. Or, you know, I'll have people be like, Oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a creative person or I'm not creative. I'm like, what do you do? And I'm like, Oh, I'm a sales, right? I'm accounting. And I'm like, you, you're okay. You're in accounting. Like, don't you have to creatively find ways to get money where it needs right. to go and to solve yeah. problems or like whatever it is like, sure. Oh, you're a salesperson. Well, you have to like creatively come up with ways to like try to sell this thing you're doing. Right. And I get, I get what they're getting at. Like, yeah. You don't do quote creative right. work. 
We're all creative, though. We're all creating something. What people don't understand in the moment is that it is preparing you for later on. Like, I didn't understand in the moment while working at the car dealership how powerful the sales experience would be for me. Yeah. But that has helped me now when I'm going through stuff that's really difficult or hard to try and live in the moment and absorb as much as I can out of it to help me later on in life, whether it's learning something or dealing with a tough relationship and how that will help me deal with a future client. Um, man, if people take a second and really see how they can uh, be in the moment and absorb something out of it positive, it changes everything. I mean, your whole perspective goes from I'm in like a, a crappy situation to how can I just like totally make this awesome? Like how can like I it, really It pushes like, you to find the solutions. Yes. Because yeah. it's not that it's not the possibilities of the solutions aren't there. It's that believing it allows you to look further beyond where you are to find yeah. those solutions. And then before you know it, you're like, whoa, I like totally overcome overcame that situation and it's like I put another notch on the belt there. I'm doing pretty mm-hmm. good now. <laughs> I don't know why I just went country. <laughs> um Another one that I think is so true that still kind of relates to that is hard work outworks talent when talent doesn't work hard. And again, sometimes I don't feel talented, but I know that I'm disciplined and know that, and I know that I'm going to work hard to do my very best on this project. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just think that's a powerful thing. That's from Tim Tatter. He's a, he's a big commercial photographer. Another thing that again, why I don't do a ton of, uh, like marketing, reaching out to people is I totally believe in this is like, you don't go find work. You create work that demands it find you. Like I want to do stuff that's so powerful and evokes emotion from people that they're like, who made this? Like, I want to figure out and work with this person. So that, I don't know for me, I just haven't figured out a good marketing strategy. And so my marketing strategy is working really hard and just trying to enjoy what I'm doing and do stuff that pushes the envelope. Um, This is cool. Great rewards are built on great risk. I totally believe that. This whole RV adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, like, who would live in an RV with a two-year-old, a four-year-old, an eight-year-old, your wife, a big, like, 40-pound Australian shepherd? Um, Like, you're giving up all the comforts of home, the American dream even. Like, what are you doing? Um, it's a big risk and it could totally flop. Like we could all just get tired of each other being that close because close quarters are tough to deal Mm -hmm. with and give up. But I feel like the ROI on that is like a million to one. Like the stuff that we're going to experience, um, the places that we're going to see the relationships between each other that we're going to build and push through the hard times are so much more powerful than having to put up my uh, high to bed every single day. Like, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. Yes, I have to make my, like, I have to put the bed and fold it up, put the blankets in the closet, put my pillows, put her pillows, put the comforter in the closet, like all this stuff away, and then fold the bed up, put the cushions back, zip the top cushions on, and then I'm done. It takes like five minutes. By the end of it, I'm like, (gasps) you know, it's Mm -hmm. like you're in this tiny RV space doing this. And sometimes I'm like, this is stupid. But I'm like, it is so powerful what we're really doing yeah. and what we're instilling in our kids to take risks um, because great rewards are on the horizon and great experiences and building of character. Like, I just, I'm so excited. We're only two months in. We haven't killed each other yet. 
Um, we're planning on going to Arizona in uh, for January, like Grand Canyons, White Sands, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but great rewards are built on great risks. No doubt. I had a fair share of haters. Uh, I only told a small amount of people. I didn't like blast it on Instagram. I just told a close group of friends. And even in that, I still got text messages like 10 reasons why you'll regret buying an RV or just really? because you should or because you can doesn't mean that you should. Um, another article like why RVs are the worst or something like people sending me this stuff. I'm like going on in it. Like I'm so inspired and pumped about this. And people still in the small like of 10 people sending me some of this stuff wow. like. Someone said not to be a downer, but here's this like 10 reasons why you won't, why you'll regret getting an RV. I was like, Are you haters gonna hate? Oh, one of my good friends said that, and then she said, But players gonna play, play. That's play. right, T Swift, baby. We like to play. Players gonna play, Let's play, play. play. Hi, <laughs> that's my T Swift voice. Um, uh, here's a design quote design is storytelling. That's so cool. Uh, we are communicating something that is, uh, I don't know, it's usually something that will be communicated verbally um, or uh, a feeling or just a, a whole marketing campaign through these visuals. And so when you try and, and that's helped me a lot in design, is let me regurgitate what you said in a really easy layman's term, un, like understandable way. And then I'll take that and work that into a design, you know? So again, like with the Solera, it was super complicated stuff. I would sit there for 10 minutes and listen to him say something and spit it back in one, one sentence. Like, okay, so this just like simplifies the process and creates a database, right? They're like, yeah, yeah, you actually, you got that. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> okay. So basically I can create a visual that's like, a whole bunch of data points and all these icons and then like maybe goes into like a funnel thing and then spits out like this product. Right. And they're like, that's also visual, right? Yes. Yes. It's storytelling. So I don't know. I enjoy storytelling. I enjoy chatting with people. So that was a cool thing. Um, Along with great rewards are built on great risk. Unforeseen opportunities come from taking risk. Like, Great rewards are built, and you kind of have some of those in mind, but there's also some unforeseen opportunities that you would not have got if you sat your butt on the couch and didn't go try and go past the receptionist. Like, if you gave up on that first try, you're missing out on so much more than you even know. And so that's what keeps me up at night. That's why I'll I'll just go and I'll deal with rejection. Like, I'd rather deal with rejection than dealing with, oh, I can't believe I didn't go do that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, With the luck quote, this is great. The harder you try, the luckier you get. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, this guy's so lucky. And people tell me that a lot. I don't, I don't understand why the thing is like a lucky thing. Like they just don't see the hours that I put in. You got to be with the Mark of the Mavericks. Wow, you're so lucky. Like, no, dude, I messaged him for a year and a half. For real, like straight up, a year and a half, probably two years before he gave me an opportunity that I grasped a hold of and went out there and did the job for free. Yeah. Dude read my messages and didn't respond a hundred times. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a red at 10 uh, 53 AM. Why didn't he hit me back? So depressed. 
embarrassing, but you know what? I pushed through, kept going. Um, <clears throat> this is again with design. If you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. Mm. So if I can't spit it back to a client in a really simple phrase, then I'm still not understanding it well enough. And I need to ask more questions because for me, I want to be able to send it out in, in one sentence. And then that makes my design foolproof. Like if, if I can say it in that one phrase, then I can design it and make it effective. So I, I think a lot of people will stop and stop asking questions because it's awkward or because they don't want to sound stupid. But if you can't repeat it back to your client or your customer um, and you know, they'll, they're passionate about it. They'll go on and on about it, but you still have to be able to um, spit it back at them in just a simple, clean, simple phrase. And I think effective design is clean and simple, you know, like that's, that's some of the most powerful design out there. And to another one, to the whole walking past the receptionist or kind of, you know, lying to the front desk lady on the phone, like, Oh yeah, I just got off the phone with him. Can you reconnect me? Um, a young man knows the rules and a wise man knows the exceptions. And so I think that's, I think it's great to know the rules, but I think it's also great to know the exceptions. I don't think there's anything wrong with me lying to the front desk lady. Cause I would have never gotten through like you, you have to, step back from those boxes look outside the box and think okay why is this this way you know how will this help and so yeah i don't know it's sometimes it's not good to just know all the rules you deal with those people like well that's the rule that's how it's gonna be that's that gamestop boss that i had he he didn't know the exceptions he yeah didn't, he didn't know like well hey let's turn your desk maybe like that's a simple solution maybe let's turn your monitor the other way and dude, you keep knocking out your freelance work. You're doing a great job. No, that's not what he said. I need you to look like you're working. That's how how in the box that guy was. Ooh. Kills me every time. He's still there, by the way. He's fine. Hey, must be working for him. Ooh. Oh. Success. Here's another great quote. Is this too many quotes? Mm-mm. Quote them. Success. The ability to move from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. That's Winston Churchill. Oh, that is so good, man. Um, success isn't this instant gratification of winning that client or getting that job or sending that logo over on the first try and getting it. I, it is moving from all those failures and pushing through that. Um, and sometimes just scraping by and winning, <laughs> but that is what real success is. And so, you know, again, don't, don't stop at that first. No, don't quit. Like move from failure to failure and learn from failure to failure. And you're only going to grow and be stronger for that. So powerful. Um, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> this is a Gary V quote, you know, Gary V. Oh, dude. Um, the reason this podcast is happening is no largely way. in part to okay. Gary V. Gary V. Yeah. Kindness is the currency. Start making deposits. I think that's so powerful. I mean, it's, that has nothing to do with benefiting me, right? But it is such a powerful tool. Um, and to think of kindness as something that, 
is a currency is such a unique concept to me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, let's start making deposits because one day you're going to take a big ass withdrawal and you're going to be like, man, I didn't even realize I had that much in the bank. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yep. 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 That is so cool. Can Pay I mean? it forward, they say. Yep. Um. So this is one on procrastination, which is really powerful to me. We'll get to that one later. Oh. I'm just kidding. Casey Reed, everybody. Casey Reed. So when I was at GameStop, I was playing a ton of Call of Duty. I love the like talking crap to people on the mics and I'm very competitive. So I love going like 30 and one and just dominating a free for all room. It's so fun. But my career did not go to the next level until I quit video games. Like I had to fully quit it. If I was really passionate about not being like those 40 year old guys who are doing the same thing that I'm doing and miserable in their life, I had to make a list of priorities and video games was not on that list of priorities. My family was up there. Um, my creative work was up there. Um, I'm a believer, so God's up there at the top for me. Um, there was a lot of things, and I narrowed it down to like five things. Video games was not there. It just, it wasn't. So I quit cold turkey. Um, and from that point on, that like curve went way up at that point because instead of spending six hours, like from 10 p.m. to 2 p.m., 2 a.m. or 4 a.m., whatever it is, um, instead of procrastinating and just doing something that really produced no results. I think, I think I really remember when the new game came out and I had built all this stuff up in this one level. And like, I had all these, like, you know, you get the awards and the gold star on your name and stuff. So when you go into a room, people are like, Oh, that is oh. legit. Like he's, he's a master of prestige. Oh my God. He's prestige like 19 times. <laughs> <laughs> all the gamers are out there like, Oh, oh yes. And everybody haters. else is like, what is he talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So once I quit quit, uh, video games, my life took a whole whole new turn. And so this quote is procrastination is still a thief of time. What a powerful quote. It it makes time into this asset that people don't think about time is just like this. I don't know. Time is money, buddy. Time is money. Time is money. Procrastination is is taking that time and throwing it in the garbage yeah, forever and you yeah, can never get yeah. it back. I feel, I find that majority of the time, I think that the things I'm procrastinating, if I would just make the time and do it, it actually would take a lot less time than the amount of time I spend procrastinating and trying to push that thing off. Yeah, no doubt. Um, another great one kind of responding to yours is, um, perfection is the enemy of progress. Mm-hmm. Who said that one? I don't Remember? even know. That's I've heard that one before. But again, I think it comes down to, especially if you're like marketing yourself on Instagram, working on that post, working on that caption forever. You just got to move forward. You Dude, know what? that thing is going to have a lifespan of like a second. Like, yeah, yeah. Do it and move on. Do it. Don't, it doesn't have deal. to be perfect. Um, are you a big Travis Rice fan? Not familiar. Okay, so Maybe he's I like one be? of the best snowboarders of all time. Okay. Um, have you seen the movie The Art of Flight? It's I don't the think big so. snowboard movie that had like mm-hmm. really 
banger music instead. I don't think so. It's not ringing a bell. Um, he said, experiencing the world through endless secondhand information isn't enough. If we want authenticity, we have to initiate. And we'll never know our full potential unless we push ourselves to find it. That's super powerful mm-hmm. to me. I mean, that we're experiencing the world through movies, through Instagram posts, through all this secondhand information. And it gives you that serotonin buzz for a second, but um, it may not even be real. Like you really got to get out there and experience it for yourself. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I won't I'm know. with you there. But if any of you aren't about doing that and want secondhand stuff, you can live vicariously through us through Instagram. There Just you go, go yeah. follow us. Boom. Follow me. Check out my YouTube. Go. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. At Parish Ruiz de Velasco on Instagram. P-A-R-R-ish R-U-I-Z and then it should pop up. Oh, dude. Okay. So real quick while we're talking about this, because yep. this is something I thought about earlier. Your name is a Spanish name, but you're talk about being a white guy, like a blue white eyes, boy. living in El Paso. So what are you, man? What is it? Um, How's so this? The story? my granddad is from Veracruz. Ah. So uh, he married uh, a white woman from Oak Cliff, and that's my. They had a baby, and that's my dad. So he's he's got. Dark features, but he's got blue eyes. Okay. And then okay. he married my mom, who's from Wisconsin. Like, total cheesehead, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. Don't you know? I know. Come here once and I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I look super white, but the name is, like you know, two generations down. So, Do you speak Spanish? Only because my parents were missionaries and we lived in Mexico for a while, but not because of our, like, heritage. Okay, or okay. Anything. But yeah, I do speak, uh, I understand a lot more than I can speak now. That was like 10, 15 years ago. That we were. Let's go, man. Ruiz de Velasco. See, si. it's, it's the worst though. Seriously, <laughs> like signing up for things is like, okay, how do you spell that? It takes 10 minutes to spell. There's actually a space between there, there and there there's and there. There's two spaces. <laughs> yeah. And, and then uh, like legal documents, it's the worst. They can never mm. find me because someone puts a dash in there to just mess everything up. So. I think if I was going to be a secret agent, like you could totally never find me on, you know, if I was to like. I don't know. You're not a secret agent. You don't. don't. Never know. In a world where Parrish is a secret agent. (laughs) Little tortilla boy. (laughs) (laughs) Those are my tortillas. A missionary in Mexico. (laughs) Or was he? Or was he? With the rise of the cartel and drug wars. Parish Ruiz de Velasco. One man. 30 kilos. 15 names. <laughs> Powder. <laughs> um, here you go. Another great quote. A goal without a plan is just a wish. Dude. Mm. Everybody got goals, man. But you got to sit there and make a list and plan out some stuff to make those goals achievable. I know a ton of people who are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go like full time RV one day or I'm going to leave this job one day. Like, dude, that's a wish. That's not a goal. You're just you're just sitting there wishing. Mm-hmm. You're not doing anything. You're and what do they planning. say when you ask them? You ever ask them like, oh, what are you doing to get there? What are you doing to like? Uh, yeah, I well, know. I can't. I got to. Well, I got stuff. I got, yeah, you know, I can't because. Uh, yeah. Dude, I got three kids. 
It is insane at my house right now. Like, if anybody doesn't have kids right now and they're trying to be successful, you have so much extra time on your hands. I can only imagine, dude. I've got two dogs and a cat, and I live by nice. myself, and I keep myself hella busy, and I think about it all the time where I'm like, dude, I cannot imagine if I had <laughs> a family on it's, top of this stuff and trying to do this. Like, it's the, like stereotypical it's really tough and really awesome at the same time i believe it man it's there that probably makes you really like figure out what's important and 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 like you're talking about like what sacrifices to make and what comes and goes um a good thing that i've learned along the way is to and i think it was from gary v but it was or maybe it was an inspirational i don't Oh, by the way, when I lit when I drove to GameStop every day, I listened to podcasts and that changed my life too. Um, it, there was a podcast called Mixergy, and basically he just interviewed successful entrepreneurs. And so they told kind of like we're talking right yeah. now. He just did the same thing. Um, but these people were like really successful, not like me. Um, but like you know, like well, oh, yeah. hold on, hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on. What is really successful? I just mean like they have this giant company with like 300 employees now and they're okay. doing like 200 million a year. Okay, or okay, okay, okay. It does depend on your definition of yeah. success. I mean, because many would say you have been very, very yeah, wildly successful. True. You've worked for GameStop or for Topgolf. You've worked for whatever <laughs> other ones you mentioned. Solero. Solero. And you're like a full-time freelancer living in an RV with three kids and a wife now. Doing my thing. Yeah. For Sounds me, like that, your high school sweetheart maybe because yeah. you also need to date it for three or four years and then yeah. – High school sweetheart. Sounds like you're wildly successful to me. Well, my I dude. appreciate that. Yeah. It is a good definition of success. I guess I was thinking financially. But that's good to know. That's yeah. I'm glad I asked. True dead. True dead. <laughs> <laughs> I if you're not are you familiar with the Enneagram stuff at all? Um, yes, and I think I did one of the free online ones, but I don't remember mine. I, I only ask because I'm not super familiar, but I know that I'm an eight, which is the challenger. Mm. And it's funny, like, that's why that just happened is because they're like, well, wait a minute, hold on. What is that really, sir? I need to go pay for it to figure it out. I think a lot of people have used that for their benefit. I mean, honestly, even if you just go find one of the things, it's like, here are the eight or nine, the nine different types. Mm. And they're kind of like, pick your one. You can probably look through them and be like, oh, dude, that's me. Right. Yeah. You got more quotes. I like these, Um, man. This is great. I love this kind of stuff. I have another quote. Um, while I was at Solera and I moved from under that really great boss Tanvir to the global marketing team where they were all very mean to me, I took it personally and I thought there was something wrong with me and, um, I, I may sound confident. Um, I think that just goes back to even like how much more insecure I am. I think, I don't know. I think we all have a lot of insecurities and, um, really outgoing people that like to talk a lot are also like some of the most insecure. So mm-hmm. I just automatically thought that it was something wrong with me or I, I just didn't understand it. Um, and this quote just hit me in the face one day. Being attacked is a sign that you were important enough to be a target. Oh, dang, son. So let's, let's again, take away the emotion. What was that again? Yeah. Being attacked is a sign that you're tar- important enough to be a target. And- being attacked is a sign that you're important not to be a target. People aren't going to shoot at you if you're not a good target, right? Yeah. So why are you a good target? Well, maybe because they have insecurities about their roles, about their talent, about their careers. And you may be uh, 
uh, freaking them out about <laughs> all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so looking back on it, I think that was really the case because I'm a pretty nice guy. Like, hey, what do you need? Like, how can I facilitate? Like, I don't like the dinosaur on Toy Story. I don't like confrontations. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? ah. <laughs> so I, looking back on it, I can kind of analyze it. And I feel like they had a lot of insecurities that they just took out on, you know, and. So if you can get past your own insecurities, look at it from an outside perspective um, and really try and analyze why you're being targeted. And a lot of times it's like for no reason. Like I, I feel like a lot of us don't just initiate something with someone like, oh, yeah, you're, you're an asshole. I'm not going to do that job. Like I never did anything like that. And yet they were attacking me. Mm-hmm. Right. So to step back and look at it, I think is really valuable. And, valuable and important um and just really helps you to stay positive um and not beat yourself up because i think i beat myself up for like a straight month like what am i doing wrong i'm trying to be successful here i'm giving them all of these assets they're using all of my assets like what in the world you know it wasn't anything i was doing wrong you know and that affected me not only, I don't know about you, but stuff at work, if it's going wrong, it affects everything for me. Yeah. It's um, hard not to think about it. And, and yeah, I'm not the greatest at setting those boundaries sometimes. Yeah. yeah same. You know, mind run wild, like, especially if it's something I don't understand. Right. It's a problem to solve. And my mind is like, well, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. I've got to figure out how, like, <laughs> this must make sense somehow. Otherwise it wouldn't be happening. Exactly. Yeah. So if it's happening, it's got to, where's what the sense it? in it? Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Am I crazy that I can't find it and see it? Ah, my, yeah. What is happening? Ah. Most people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. It is a choice. That's such. Again, I these quotes are so powerful to me because they're there's an overarching idea behind that. Like we have a choice to be happy or not, and people. Those happy people are really making a choice every single day to wake up and be happy and be positive and be the change they want to see and affect the people around them in a positive way versus people who are victims. Yeah. It's a choice. Yeah. 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 The dude that, you know, the man, the woman that's the like, quote, super successful freelancer that's super happy or the Mm -hmm. couple that's married that's like super happy. Like Mm -hmm. being that successful freelancer did not make that person happy. No. Being married did not make that person happy. Mm -hmm. If anything, being happy got them to that place where that is. You can have people in better situations, whether it's like, oh, this dude's a millionaire, and they can be way more unhappy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a choice every day. Um, uh, something a little more on the kind of positive thinking. Thankfulness is the tactical nuclear weapon to negativity in your mind. Um. On a daily basis, we again, we have a choice to be happy or not. And sometimes there, there are things it's like, dude, how can you be happy through that? Like, that's a really big setback. You just lost your job. You have uh, a kid on the way. You know, like, what are you thinking? Yeah. Man? How can we be so, like, nonchalant about this? This is a big deal. Um, but if you, for me, I try and turn it. And if usually if I'm thinking something really negative, I'll say, okay, you know what? I need to think of three things that I'm thankful for right now and really dwell on those things. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful that we have uh, so 
to go back to like was the negative thing like oh dude i hate making this bed every day this is so stupid like i'm not going to be able to do this for a full year like, mm-hmm. okay hold on what do you think you know what there's some person in africa that still has to walk three miles to just get a bucket of water and i'm complaining about making my bed yeah, yeah. i'm thankful for running dude, water honestly whenever you mentioned that about the bed stuff there's part of me like i one of the things that I started doing a couple of years ago, which I've recently realized I've fallen out of the habit of and I'm getting back into, but is to start the day off with accomplishing something. Mm, yeah. And so like I will sometimes intentionally leave dishes in the sink at night. Nice. So first thing in the morning, there's dishes to do. Okay. Or like in your position, you're making the bed first oh, thing yeah. in the morning. And it's like you start the day out with I've accomplished yep. and gotten something done. Um, and then, uh, I mean, you mentioned this stuff as far as like trying to be thankful and yeah. kind of what I've gotten to is like, man, if a situation isn't beneficial to it, like if, if my perspective on a situation or whatever it is, isn't beneficial to me, I might as well find a way that it can benefit mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, it's been really, it sounds like it's been really powerful for you. Yeah. It has been for me. For sure. And I mean, cause I, it flips the whole perspective of the situation mm-hmm. from, Oh, woe is me to, man, how can I probably benefit from this? Yeah. And like, like we were talking about earlier, it pushes you to find that better solution. Yeah. No doubt. Um, a couple cheesy ones. A moment of darkness is the opportunity for light. I think that's interesting. Failure is the fog through which we glimpse triumph. Um, again, going back to like, uh, success is, uh, pursuing through failure over and over without, Letting up. Um, ooh. Ha. This one's super good. Okay, listen up, peoples. Um, this was also one of those quotes when I was dealing with that global marketing team. Uh, it was that, and then also GameStop. When I was at GameStop, everybody was older than me, um, but everybody picked on me. Like, I was the butt of all the jokes. I was just like, everybody picked on me. And it's just, I'm kind of goofy and I'll let stuff bounce off, but there's multiple situations, scenarios, groups of friends where I'm just the one that people don't mind like taking a huge jab at, like, I don't know, playing pranks on me, making fun of me. It's always Parrish is so funny. Like, let's make fun of him kind of deal. And I didn't realize what that was. Um, you teach, here's the quote, you teach people how to treat you by what you allow, what you stop, and what you reinforce. Um, and that is so powerful. I think since I heard that quote and realized, wow, I can probably control how these people interact with me by those three things. Like, what do I allow? What am I stopping? And what am I reinforcing in their own minds? Like, that's okay. How to Yeah. Treat it's it's like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know. I still let people make fun of me sometimes, but it's not to the level where. So what do you, like so what what would you do in a situation now if, let's say somebody was poking a phone at you and you wanted to put a stop I to it? I think it depends on the situation. There's limits that I have. Like one time someone wrote a very obscure thing on my Facebook page, like hacked in and I put a stop to it. Like I made sure that it was, I was like, this is not a joke. This is not funny. This is my personal brand. And for you to put that out there is unacceptable. Um, and it was a tough conversation, but nothing like that ever happened again. <laughs> um, so it is a it is a learning thing where you've got to 
teach people how to treat you. But it's not the the big thing about that was it's not all these people just always being mean to you. You can really affect how people treat you. Yeah. By those three things. And and that just changed my life in meetings with clients, with friends, with family. Um, you have the power to stop stuff, um, reinforce it or allow it, whatever. Was, that that was just big. I'm kind of I was kind of a pushover. Like I, it affected me, so I had to take control of it. Um, hmm. I think that's probably. Here's some recent ones. Um, <laughs> there's no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. Mm. <laughs> that just think about that yeah. for a long time. That's really good. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Some guy said this by Joseph Cook. So many people glorify and romanticize busy. I do not. I value purpose. I believe in resting in reason and moving in passion. If you're always busy and moving, you will miss important details. Uh, I like the mountains still, but when it moves, lands shift in earth. Oh, that's powerful. There's this culture of, oh, yeah, it's late at the office early here again. Like, I've been working like 90 hours. Like, it's this cool thing. I don't know why that became cool or this norm, but I think it's terrible. And I, th- I totally believe in getting as much sleep as you can. Yeah. And relaxing. And I feel like I'm sharper when I'm rested and clear mind and more creative that way. So. I don't know. I just want to encourage people. You don't have to look busy all the time. You don't have to be busy. Take a break. Focus on the evidence, right? Yes. It's kind of thing about like if the work is shown to be great. Here's just a, like a, a quote that has nothing to do with anything or that for me. If the law is against you, argue the facts. If the facts are against you, argue the law. <laughs> I saw that on uh, I was on a video shoot and some guy had quotes all over his wall and I was freaking out because I, lo- I just love good quotes like that and that was one of my favorite guys I'm gonna need about 20 minutes to write all these down give me a moment oh yeah <laughs> oh that's a good one that's me um don't be trapped by dogma which is living with the results of other people's thinking dogma like look up that word that's a very interesting word don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most importantly, follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Steve Jobs quote. Mm. I'm an Apple guy because, again, without that first laptop and just the that whole extension of what I am to be more creative, just so cool. And I don't know. It's just allowed me to do do a lot more than I feel like I could have ever done with that. Same. Did you, uh, I mean, whenever you were younger, like as far back as you can remember, are there ties to this kind of stuff or to the quotes? No, to like what you do now and where you, where you're <laughs> like, like, can you trace no, it back? I'm, I'm really not a fan of who I was in my teenage years. I was kind of, I meant uh, more as far as like interest, like for example, like me, like whenever I was a kid, Oh, okay. When I was a year old, I got videotape of like my dad being like, I wish you'd quit messing with a camera. (laughs) No, it was always my brother was a creative one. He could like draw really well and paint. And um, I just didn't do any of that. I excelled in athletics and being very like jock-ish. I don't know. 
Um, and yeah, anyway, something just clicked. I, I just liked playing on the computer with <laughs> Photoshop and making the posters and making stupid YouTube videos with my friends and dug into it deeper and just kept enjoying it. Um, but yeah, that everyone always thought Caleb wasn't going to be like the really creative artsy one. And I still don't feel like I am, but people say that I am. It's cool, man. Well, dude, thanks for coming on, man. This has been a great conversation. Woo. Long I one. Feel like, sorry. Oh, I feel like don't, uh, no, you don't need to apologize. Okay. If anything, I'm like, I'm sorry. We like, I could keep going. I feel like we could just yeah, like bro, keep talking, 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 talking. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right. You mentioned it earlier, Instagram, but where else can, uh, where all can people find you and your work online? So I have two websites. Um, park P A R R C H is my architecture website. All my recent architecture photography is on there. And then um, I still maintain my graphic design kind of almost like a small marketing agency is what I kind of pitch it as. Um, it's 1857studio.com. And that's actually when the Lancaster Town Square was settled in 1857. Mm. And that's where my office is. So I think it's just a cool year, cool place over there. So 1857studio.com. Is the is the, uh, the love and oven still over there? Oh, you know it. A you know historic legendary legendary bakery oh man they even have lunch there they make good sandwiches i haven't been over there in yeah. i don't know 15 years i probably go get a cupcake bro yeah man oh, dude thanks for coming on thanks for having me yeah man well listeners out there thank you so much uh this is our first two-part episode which is kind of cool did not expect that coming into it but here we are three hours later and i wouldn't have it any other way if you have found this particularly insightful or helpful or whatever i don't care if you fucking hate it go tell me that too but it is helpful for me uh if you leave ratings and reviews because it lets me know if we're doing stuff on the show that's helpful for you and it's kind of hitting the mark because, you know, really this isn't about me. This isn't about us. This is about you, the listeners, and providing you with stuff that's helpful for you and your journey. Um, and so anything that I can do to help you with that, I would like to be able to, to the best of my abilities. Thank you so much for listening to my rambling on the end here and I'll be with you next week. Freelance Freddy is a Vacacy production. Vacacy is a freelance content creator based in the United States and available worldwide. Vacacy. Big production value, freelance, agility, and scale.